0: Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. I'm your host, Alex Forget. Joining me this week on the podcast is Crystal Beachum. She's the founder of Student Athletes Unite, where she helps grow the skills and help develop the passions and the mindset of future entrepreneurs from student athletes. She talks about how injuries have affected her career, but it hasn't stopped her as she is able to use the motivation to find a new passion in her life. She talks about her journey and how she wants to help future entrepreneurs develop their dreams like she has done. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you follow and subscribe on all your favorite major podcast platforms. Make sure to also leave a comment to tell me how you have been using the, these tips to rise to the challenge. Remember, in a few weeks, we're going to be starting the launch of our new YouTube series where you can see the in-depth interviews like we do on audio, but in video form. So this week, we have our Quick Fire challenge. The quote is, life is a challenge, meet it. Life is a dream, realize it. Life is a game, play it. Life is love, enjoy it. With this quote, think about What is stopping you from going and defeating that challenge or accomplishing that dream, playing that game, finding love? What is stopping you? Don't let it stop you. Go out there and get what you want. Challenge yourself to accomplish those goals because we all can do anything we put our minds to. So sit back and relax enjoy the Rise of the Challenge of Crystal Beachum. Welcome back to the show. Joining me today is a great guest that we have. She's the founder of the Student Athlete Unite organization. It's Crystal Beachum. How are you doing today, Crystal?
1: I am good. I'm so glad to to have, or for you to allow me to be on the show. I'm very appreciative.
0: Well, thank you for the opportunity. I loved learning more about your organization, and I'm so excited to learn about you personally and your rise to the challenge so with every guest we like to go straight to the beginning what were you involved in growing up
1: Mm, okay so i was a part-time employee of my dad's uh, mechanic shop Mm -hmm. Um, and then i didn't really get into sports until about when i was nine or ten i had a really good friend of mine she wanted my dad to coach us because he coached a lot of the teams and he said you know i'm not coaching a girls team if my daughter isn't playing and she was like, please play, please play. And I was like, no, nah, because I was like, the, I was the, I was a girl that was underneath the bleachers or sitting in the bleachers with a oh book no. in her hand. Like, I love to read. And so I'm like, no, nah, I'm OK. So she finally talked me into it. And of course, like a lot of great things have come out of that. Um, but that was kind of like who I was as an individual when I was growing up.
0: You just mentioned that you were that person that would be under the bleachers. Was it at that time, was it like maybe a confidence? Um, you didn't feel confident enough to play or maybe you didn't have enough skills. And when you were able to get out onto the sports, did you get a more confidence as each game you played? I sucked. Uh-oh.
1: I, I sucked. Um, but again, you know, I feel like you suck at anything that you begin, um, mm-hmm. and then also I I probably did lack confidence. I was like a cheerleader of like um, like a little sports team, a football team, but I was never the one to be out in the open and like being all flamboyant and like just talking to everyone. I'm still kind of a little reserved mm-hmm. in a sense, but um, it did help a lot with my confidence. And then because of again, when I got better, I got more look cocky, a little bit more um so it was definitely a confidence booster
0: i can relate to being reserved in a way i'm a person that i don't like open up until i like feel comfortable with someone (laughs) right and especially with like when i was playing sports as a young age i kind of had a hard time making friends like i would get Mm -hmm. along with the people on my team but becoming friends with them it was kind of hard because also with my schedule and stuff um with my parents, it was kind of hard, so I didn't feel mm-hmm. that I could reach out there and make friends. But then over time, I'm like, I have to make the effort, and right everyone supported me. Did you have a motivation or someone you inspired to be when you were playing a sport?
1: It was, I think, at the time, it was Candace Parker. Um, and I remember when she was like the first female to dunk, and uh, I think it was like a McDonald's all-star dunk contest and I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe. And I remember I had the dunk of of that pick of that photo and I put it on top of my binder. And I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna learn how to dunk and I'm gonna be the next Candace Parker. Um that's kinda like the person that I looked up to at the time. And then but while I was like still learning, I had my brother's friend, he was really good, um, that I looked up to, so he helped me get my skills a little bit better. So overall it was, I had a few mentors along the way, but Candace Parker was definitely at the top.
0: She's definitely one of those, like, when you think of basketball for women, she's definitely one of those top people mm-hmm. out there. And one of those that has made a memorable impact in the, in, in the sports industry, definitely. Right. When you were playing basketball, what skills did you learn while you were playing?
1: I think perseverance. Um, and also the power of, or being really disciplined. I think those are the top two. And then the teamwork aspect, because again, like, you know, there is no I in team, mm-hmm. even though Kobe said there's an E in that, <laughs> you know, you know, you you can finish the rest. Yeah. Um, but but um, what I've learned is that, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. Yep. Regardless if you are um, in a team setting or if you are like, in the corporate world uh everyone needs a team everyone needs to succeed um if they do that so definitely those are my top three
0: definitely for kids growing up in sports it's definitely important for them to know what teamwork is and if they're always thinking oh i'm going to be the all-star on the team everyone's going to look at me they're Mm going to regret thinking that as they get older when it gets harder for them because Right. right this day and age, if everyone's an individual, work slips. I know with my job, we have to work as a team. If we're all individuals, it makes it harder and we can't rely on other people. So teamwork and disciplines, I think that's important. It's kind of like kids are learning life skills at a young age. Mm -hmm. They may not realize it, but they are in a way. And I think with Parents getting them involved in stuff, it's important for them because then they realize, they appreciate stuff over time.
1: Yes, they do. Yes, they do. What was
0: your dream job growing up? We all have that, oh, we inspired to be this one day, but right. we never know if we're going in that direction because things change every day.
1: Right. And it's funny because like I, uh, I wrote a book about like entrepreneurship and how I had so many dream jobs that mm-hmm. I wanted to do um and the top one was to be a teacher and uh just because of me giving back to the future generation of people or of little children and i was on well on my way but you know i found entrepreneurship but i don't i don't see myself not being a teacher i still teach but Mm -hmm. i teach i teach a different subject which is entrepreneurship um so that was really good that I'm still able to accomplish that dream, but in a different aspect.
0: Yeah, it, I noticed a lot of people and even guests on my show, they kind of have that full circle. Like they mm-hmm. thought that they were going to do something at first. They go on a completely different track. But mm-hmm. as they learn more about their position and stuff, it's actually what they really wanted to do. And it was kind of right. nice to hear that you're, you thought, oh, I wanted to be that teacher, but you're still doing some kind of teaching in a way. And that's right. definitely inspiring everyone.
1: Right.
0: Did you have any goals you wanted to accomplish before college started? Or were you ready to see what was next in your career path?
1: Um, you said before college had started? Mm. Yes. Um, I definitely wanted to travel. Um, I also wanted to dunk, of course, <laughs> yeah. before college started. That was uh, one of my goals. Um And I think those were like my top two goals that I wanted to do before college. Of course, you know, there was no, like, I'm going to the WNBA outside, like right after college. Well, I mean, right after high school, because again, that's not happening for women's sports anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, But those two were like top, my top two outside of of academics, of course.
0: (laughs) Did you ask your parents to like get you a basket so you can practice getting closer to dunking over time?
1: So crazy thing, my dad, uh, so we, we all play sports. Me and my siblings, we all played basketball. And so he actually created a cement court for us and put us and had us two basketball goals on each end. Mm-hmm. So we were like the only house in our community that was able to do that. And so we would have so many team tournaments. It was crazy. We had like three on three, five on five, because the court was that big. So it was pretty cool. Um, but what I did ask them is like to give me a tennis ball because Candace Parker had a tennis ball, so I got I got a tennis ball to because she said that's where she that's what she started with. Mm-hmm. She started with a tennis ball and then she built up. And so, but I lost my tennis ball, so my dad was like, "Yeah, I'm not paying for or nothing. You, you got to pay for it yourself if you get one." So um, that was one of the things that I wanted, and then he did get that for me. You must have had like the party block. Everyone
0: was oh, coming over. Yeah.
1: It, it it was my dad. Uh, he even built up lights. He had lights. Oh, it's so, like a whole
0: stadium right there.
1: <laughs> yes. So we have four. We have four posts. Like, oh, it's eight o'clock. Don't worry. We'll, we'll turn the lights on. Um, so the only rules they had was all the men had to keep on the shirts because again they were women. So mm. uh, and no cursing. Oh. No cursing and put on your shirts. My my parents are really uh, religious. And they were like, I can do whatever I want. My mom would
0: bring out water she'll bring out kool-aid so it was it was it was it was fun we had some fun time it's like you had like your uh, mom was bringing out water so concession stands kind of and you just needed the cameras just yeah. where's where's espn come yes. to this hometown court they have like yes. i know with nhl they have like the local rinks that they go to it's like there you go just come to your yeah. backyard. Yes. So talk about your college experience. Where did you go? What did you want to major in?
1: So um, my college experience, I started at a junior college. Um, My senior year of high school, I blew out my knee. So I tore my ACL, MCL, inner meniscus, and my cartilage. And that was kind of like the one offers were like off the table. Um, And then at the time, for junior college, you only get your Associate of Arts. Um, So I did that. I did take some classes in high school. Uh, that were college credits, so I was already a, uh, already ahead, mm-hmm. and so still continue to do that. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I remember uh, I took a, t- a couple of classes, and that was when I started thinking about, oh, maybe I should be a college professor. I think that would be dope, because they have, you have to, de- you don't have to deal with the parents, really. You have to deal with grown yeah. kids, so <laughs> it's like, ooh, maybe I should do that, um, so still thinking about, okay, where, what do I need to do in order to be a college professor and from there i went to henderson state university um, they had a really good teacher's program in arkansas like the best one of the best in the states and still wanted to be a teacher there um, and from my grad for my grad i went to the university of arkansas so during that time at henderson state university that's kind of like when i got my first taste of entrepreneurship and I was like, oh, teaching may not be for me. They don't make a lot of money. Like mm-hmm. I, I always always do, they didn't make a lot of money, but I really started to hit the fan when I'm like, oh, they really don't. Like even after 20, 30 years, it, it's still not a lot.
0: Yep. When you were going through that process of going from teaching and then you found a different direction, were you a person where you you were okay with exploring other options because it's just gonna help you grow in skills and find what you're passionate about?
1: Yeah, I was I was open to it, but my background my uh, my dad's an entrepreneur as well, so it's like I saw the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. Like there were there were good months and there were bad months, um, especially as a mechanic. And then my mom she worked for the state of Texas, and so she got the same amount of money every two weeks and so it's like dang i don't want to work i don't wanna work for myself because i don't know if i'll get a paycheck mm-hmm. but then um i think entrepreneurship is all about possibilities and betting on yourself yeah. and um and so that's kind of like even within like your sport you bet on yourself like you sell yourself to those colleges and universities because you want that next scholarship yeah. you want that you want that degree from whatever school that you're trying to go to so you're betting on yourself because you know if no, like, if nobody else believes in me, I'm going to believe in me to get this stuff, uh, get this done. And um, so I was open to exploring other options. Because, um, again, Division two schools, they don't have as many resources and things to help student athletes, um, as well as not not as much money. So I wanted more money to, like, help me through school. And at the time, you know, with college sports, sometimes you're unable to get internships. Or jobs. So it's like, okay, we have to find another alternative. And that was one of the reasons why I decided to jump into entrepreneurship.
0: You talked about resources at college. I went to a private school in St. Charles, Missouri, called Linwood University. And my major was sports management. And I always thought, I'm going to do something in sports. Like, (laughs) I'm going to be part of the office. I'll work for a team. I'll work for a company. Something in the sports realm. Right. As I was going through the schooling and stuff, I always found other opportunities and I found a passion for event planning, event management, mm-hmm. marketing and mm-hmm. stuff like that through my fraternity. And I was putting on charity events and all that. And I'm like, this is something I enjoy. And I get to be creative in a way. I'm not mm-hmm. like stuck in an office all day. Mm-hmm. But the resources that my school had, they it was kind of like it was a lot of talk, but when it came down to it. It didn't work out, so right, they had all right. these like, oh, we worked with the St. Louis Rams. Well, the Rams are in St. Louis anymore; they're in L.A. Um, oh, we yes. had something with minor league baseball. Well, they lost their um, sponsorship with that, so it was kind of wow. like, where do we go? And I didn't mm-hmm. feel that I wanted to continue and go in that, because you'd have to. A lot of people start in ticket sales, and I'm not a ticket salesperson. I'll, I'll be no. in the stadium like talking right. to people and stuff, but I, I want to do more. So I went into a different direction I'm like taking that long route in a way. But right. I am so happy for where I'm at because um, I can right. do what I love to do. And it sounds like you are so passionate about what you're doing that even any direction you went to, you are happy with where you're at. Mm-hmm. Talk about being a student athlete. You mentioned that you had an knee injury um before you went into college did that Mm -hmm. stop you or you're like i'm gonna do the rehab and get better so i can eventually get back to the sport that i loved
1: right and then again it kind of goes back to candace parker she had an acl tear and i'm like oh if she can do it i can do it too Mm -hmm. like i can still go d1 um and so but the hardest thing of course is rehab and so the first year um i didn't do really good in rehab so they told me that I need to stay out the whole year, and I said, okay, that's fine. Like at least whenever I do decide to play, I'm not going to be running with a limp. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I spent the entire year rehabbing and also getting better. And the good thing that I liked about the junior college that I went to, as well as a coach, is that he made sure I did all the running. <laughs> he was like, I understand you hurt, you rehabbing, but you're gonna get the running. Um, yeah. And so. Um, I did like the fact that when they did up and down, I would do up and down. And so he saw my progression of continually to get better. And then at the time I did really good my second, to, my second year. So I rested in my first year, second year I played and crazy thing is, is that I still had another year that I could have played at my junior college or that I wanted to play at my junior college. But because, again, the fact that I took classes in high school, that transferred to college, and I did really well, and they had me in 12 to 15 hours. So by the time my second year come, comes around, they're like, Chris, you cannot stay. We cannot give you any more classes. And I was like, okay, well, I have to leave. Um, so um, that's one of the reasons why I went to Henderson State, too. Um, there was another school that was a Division One, but they weren't, they weren't really good. And I look back at their record periodically, like, hmm, would have been better. They still have a losing record, so I'm not complaining. So, um, <laughs> so the good thing is, is that I was able to rehab, but it never changed the thought in my mind until I really got to my junior college. And at the time, I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to the WNBA, but I knew I wanted to try to play overseas. And so when I got to Division Two, I'm like, okay, this is the end of the road. I'm not playing overseas because no one wants to look at me um, I did have a few offers to go to combines that would get me to overseas but another knee injury happened oh so I uh, I tore my meniscus and cartilage again and so I had another knee surgery maybe a f- maybe a few weeks after the last game so
0: with those injuries, how did you keep like a positive mindset to overcome Mm -hmm. them to still try to go for what you wanted?
1: Right. So um, I think the first one was, well, Crystal, again, you've seen other people that have had knee surgeries, but they still go on D1. They still blade um, at the capacity that they were before. So you have that option as long as you do the work. Um, Because again, like rehabbing Yes, it's physical, but it's more so mental. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, okay, Crystal, you remember you hurt yourself doing this move. Can you still do this move? And so it was like a lot of like mental strengthening that I had to do. Um, and then even within my second one, it was at the time my doctor was like, you know, you can still continue playing, but I'm just letting you know you may need a knee replacement by the end by the age of 30 if you continue playing like going overseas. i was like, you know what, Doc, don't even worry about it. Not even gonna touch the ball. Um, I touch about every now and then, but Mm. I'm really careful because I know like the next day I'm going to be really, really sore. Um, But I've always kept a positive mindset. I'm like, well, at least my leg is still there. I'm still healthy. Um, I don't have any nerve damage from like the surgeries. Um, And my rehab has been really good. The good thing about it is that once you hurt yourself, you already know how the the rehab process is going to go. You already know like you have to mentally prepare yourself to go through some pain and to go through some things
0: that you're uncomfortable with mm-hmm. there definitely i've seen or i've heard that like p- when people hear the news like oh you have to get this surgery at the certain mm-hmm. age it kind of puts it into their heads like do i risk it or do i not because right. some people if they're trying to go like you said wanting to play overseas they're going to do anything yeah. they can to get that opportunity but- if it was worth risking it and i think a lot of people Kind of have to think and take a step back. Like, don't make a decision right away because it will affect your future. And you're still you're still being able to play um, here and there. Um, so you still get the um, that feeling of playing, um, right. but
1: not at the competitive level that you probably would. Right. Find. Right that's definitely true so it's like you know if anyone wants to challenge me like oh i can beat you one-on-one okay there's a ball and there's some basketball shoes in my car let me go grab those real quick and then i'll meet you on the court um but it's you always have those type of people like oh you're in there like you've had knee surgery and i was like no don't let them fool you i can still dribble ball and i can still shoot don't yeah. worry about it um it's crazy because i ended up being meeting my boyfriend like last week and he thought i couldn't so yeah <laughs>
0: you're- yeah. You're overcoming those obstacles and proving yes. people wrong. And I love, mm-hmm. i that's my favorite feeling in this world, is I love proving people that I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: right.
0: I've always had that, oh, I'm not athletic. I don't look like it. It's always right. what I look like.
1: Oh, yeah. People tell me, they're like, Christy, you don't look athletic at all, or you don't look like you can play. And then when we see you, we're like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, yeah. Is there anything else I can do for you? Like, okay, <laughs> cool. Like, oh, i'll talk to you
0: later yep i call that my uh my inner gladiator in me where Mm -hmm. i will showcase and then they see and they're like like their jaws drop and i'm like Mm -hmm. you can't it goes back to you can't judge a book by its cover yes you have to get you have to see the person in action basically right so after college what was that first job that you took on
1: um well opportunity. i did a grad well i did a graduate assistant job in my grad program um i decided not to get a job afterwards i decided to start another business um which is crazy because i don't recommend people to do that unless like you have some income coming in mm-hmm. uh, but i went like full-blown entrepreneurship as soon as i graduated um but in hindsight it was the best thing that happened to me because again like you're still able to stay creative but then you still you are able to make opportunities where you are, and uh, that allowed me to do some a lot of uh, this a lot of amazing things on top of like grad assistant jobs, um, internships, and then like volunteer opportunities. So I definitely don't don't regret it. There's like I, I feel like I don't have a lot of regrets because at one point you wanted it, so you can't regret it now. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I I didn't have a first job. So, but I feel like I've had opportunities or I've had, um, positions that has allowed me to stay creative, but also still offer like part-time where I'm still able to work on my business.
0: Would you say you're a risk taker in a way?
1: I am. It's funny cause I tell people, I'm like, I am a free spirited. I mean, I'm a free spirit, but with limits, mm-hmm. like it's. Yes, I'm a risk taker, but it's calculated, calculated and strategic. So, um, but yeah, you can call me risk taker if you want.
0: So when you say strategic, like you're always thinking of like different options that come out of it, thinking Mm -hmm. what could happen, what do you want it to happen, and then that's when you hit the hit the pedal and go for it.
1: Yeah, I have a pros and cons list. Like, okay, if I do this, how is it going to help me? How is it going to hurt me? And most of the time, even like now that. I'm older, I'm like, okay, Crystal, let's look to getting you like a full-time job, 40 hours a week, desk job, nine to five. Mm -hmm. And, but it's like, how would this work for you? And you're like, well, if it does, yes, you can get paid a lot more money, but you won't be able to go to to these schools or you won't be able to go to these conferences um, in the middle of the week. Like, Mm -hmm. what if you have like two or three in a month, are they really going to let you take off work? So it's always that thought in the back of my head, like, okay, Crystal, yes, the money is good. But will it take away from, like, your purpose? Um, or, you know, is it remote? Do you have to go to work um, so, or go into work? So it just depends. But, yeah, I, it's a little calculated.
0: I think it's almost like a risk and reward. Like, mm-hmm. if you're willing yeah. to take the risk and you get the reward out of it, but if you have to put more steps into it, does it kind of take away from the reward? Like, Right. Some people look at it where, um, and everyone's different in situations, like if they have to work double jobs, well, mm-hmm. for someone, some people look at it on the outside, they may not know why they're doing the double job. Right. They're like, well, they don't get to have fun. But that's where you have to learn about the person and why they're doing it. Right. And they are probably good at scheduling, like, and people mm-hmm. can learn from that in some ways. Reading about you, you had the opportunity to intern with the NFL Players Association. Mm-hmm. Talk about that opportunity.
1: Um, It was amazing because again, it's in DC. Um, and then I also like the fact that I was able to work with a lot of brands mm-hmm. associated with the players and what i liked most about it is the fact that i was able to work with the finance department on the colin kaepernick royalty reports um because during that time um i think he had just finished with the league and it was interesting because different news articles or new- newspapers or even like different like stuff on the web was showing that he had like the highest ticket sales because he left or because what was happening But in actuality, they were going off of the year before when he went to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And so and it is based on the calendar year. And so it was hard because all of his royalty reports for his stuff was going to his father. And so his father was like, well, this is not adding up. Like, I see all this news, but I don't see it in my bank account. So what's going on? So we had to comb through like months of like going through everything. And I was put in charge of that. And um, that was one of the things I'm most proud of, and then also doing like a research project with the esports industry, mm-hmm. um, and how they're able to try to intertwine it with the NFL players, and how their NFL players are able can either capitalize on it or they can get involved. So those are like the top two projects that I'm really proud of, and that fact that I worked with or worked on.
0: You mentioned you just mentioned that you worked with about the esports. Was it mm-hmm. more like the players? playing in like tournaments and charity tournaments for these games or was it more like their the rights to have like their
1: characters
0: and all that in esports
1: for the esports I think they were trying to understand what esports was because no one knew like kind of esports just came out of nowhere like no one knew what it was and even for me I was trying to wrap my brain around and I'm like I don't understand this like so are we watching other people play a game because that's what is that's that that what's happening mm-hmm. and the fact that i think at the time that had sold out of madison square garden and imagine like madison square garden being sold out so i'm like wait so people from all around the world came to madison square garden to watch this tournament it's crazy. And so it's like what so i don't know if they were thinking like okay what kind of piece of the pot can we get for these players or like can they make appearance i'm like but how when people are coming to see, watch people play, they're not coming to say, oh, there's the NFL player. Like he's the coach. Like, so we're trying to see them play. Um, so it was really just trying to understand what that was and how big the market was. Um, because at the time, again, like it came out of nowhere. It was coming really big, but they really wanted to take care of the players. Mm-hmm. And so it was, they wanted to set up like a players association similar to the NFL. And so they wanted to see like, how can they still give them insurance or how are they able to make sure that they have a life after sports or, um, or like still like tuition reimbursement. So it was just a lot of stuff that they were looking into and how to create something similar to the PA.
0: Nowadays, when you look at the sports, you see celebrities and pro athletes, mm-hmm. they're getting mm-hmm. involved any way they can right. because it reaches out to like a whole nother audience in a way. Right and their audience and their fan base will come over to their So it
1: mm-hmm. helps
0: both industries in a way. And that, it's just amazing. Like, like you said, it came out of nowhere. And now exactly. yep. during this time, yep. that's the thing people are doing. Like everyone is playing games and watching mm-hmm. people. It's basically, you're watching someone else play your favorite games. <laughs> and never someone thought that would be a business. these kids making all this money
1: exactly
0: so talk about the student athlete unite how did the concept come about and what's your mission for it
1: right so our mission is to help student athletes create business and career opportunities um we do that through two ways Um, one is an online accelerated program that teaches student athletes how to get paid stay eligible and explore entrepreneurship as a career um the second way is to Again, I understand that every student athlete is not going to become an entrepreneur, which again, like it's hard. So I don't expect everyone to, um, but I do want to create, I do want to help them create career opportunities. So I do a monthly curated newsletter that sends out, um, paid internships, graduate assistantships and fellowship opportunities. So those are the two ways that we do it. And then I also have a book that I get book sales from
0: for these opportunities do you reach out to those industry or the companies or organizations to see what's out there or do they come to you for what that information
1: mostly I go to them or I research everything that's on their stuff because again like if you are thinking about like an internship program and it's like okay where do I even start Mm -hmm. and it's like okay I know how to do it because I've done it so how about I just put everything all on one list and then that way you can have it come into your inbox. You don't have to search for much. Um, because, again, I understand student-athletes don't have a lot of time. But um, there is basically makes it easier for them to mm-hmm. locate stuff.
0: What would you say is the hardest obstacle with being a part of this organization that you see with student-athletes?
1: Um. I think getting buy-in from universities and colleges, because when I created this in 2016, nobody was talking about, like, entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Nobody. But now, as you know, the rules are changing. They're evolving. And so now it's like, okay, people are like, oh, Chris, we remember when you were doing this in 2016, 2017. So we're going to need your help. But it's like, oh, but when I asked you all, like in two thousand sixteen, start preparing for your like preparing your student athletes and how I can help them. It's like, no, we don't have the budget, or it's too innovative. We're not trying to do that right now for our athletes. But now you have no choice.
0: How many colleges or how many states are is your program a part of?
1: Right now, as far as the. Um, curated newsletter. We have about 22 universities and colleges that are represented it in that uh, newsletter. And then as far as my online accelerator, I have one, two, three, because I don't think I don't go by state. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, now where? So I think about five or six states, um, but most of them are coming from the South uh, okay. because I have a lot of connections there. So a lot of them are coming from the Texas, Arkansas area.
0: For your growth in going to other states or other universities, mm-hmm how many colleges do you see getting a part of the program every year? Do you have a steady trend, or is Mm -hmm. it just here and there?
1: Ideally, um, even within the next few years, um, because, again, like the NCAA, they have about 400,000 student-athletes that compete every year. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, I don't even – I just want like 0.01%, and that's 4,000 student-athletes. So even if I can help 4,000 student-athletes, over the next few years, create businesses and create income to not only help themselves, but their families. That's all that matters to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have a success story that you have been proud of to be a part of?
1: Yeah. Um, one, um, I have about maybe maybe two. Um, one, she is a track student athlete, and we started working together last year, probably about November, uh, I think October, November. And uh, she's going to be launching her business July 21st. Um, so I'm really excited about her and what she's doing, and then the fact that this is COVID-19. Her her season was ended abruptly. She was a senior, so she was like, you know, it's not changing anything. I'm still going to launch. And then I have another student athlete that I'm currently working with now, and he is going to be an incoming freshman at the university. I mean, at Old Dominion University, and. He's just excited. Like, he already has his product line. He already has, like, t-shirts. So we're actually going to look to scale and, like, give him a lot of uh, systems that he can use that can actually help him, like, amplify his message. So I'm excited about those two Sun Athletes that I'm working with right now.
0: That's awesome that um, you get to be a part and you get to see them grow Mm -hmm. in a way. And that's, like, being kind of like – I kind of view it as, like, being their mentor in a way, being able to – be a part of their journey helping them making sure that they learn from each step in the process of growing a business in a way have you been able to do a lot more during this pandemics with reaching out to people working with them over like zoom calls and stuff like that yeah
1: i have um and then i also have uh provided a lot of free services so every month I do a 30 minute phone call if you want to learn more about like tech, uh, like tech because um, right now I'm currently a BC in residence at ABC Fund in New York um, I just got the position like a few weeks ago so it's not public yet uh, well I'm on their website but I haven't like actually publicly said I was a part of their company now um, and then also like if they're interested in sports as well so we do I do that maybe once a month and then um and then also i have a student athlete entrepreneurship series that i host once a month like highlight student athletes that created businesses in college mm-hmm. and i go live with them on instagram so not only do their followers see but my followers see and we're able to share um share that space where they can learn more about their businesses and how they are doing this with like not a lot of time as people would say
0: mm-hmm. Now, are you the only person in the company or do you plan on growing with people?
1: Yeah, I, I am the only person uh, currently. Um, when I first started my program in Arkansas, I had a team of three. So it's four total because um, I ended up opening a. Um, what did they do? <laughs> it's been like i I'm like, what did they do? It's been like four, four years. Um, they did a lot of physical training with our student athletes, mm-hmm. uh, especially like high school level. Uh, one guy came in, he had just got cut from the Atlanta Falcons. And he was like, you know, I can train people. I, I can train, just let me be a part. And I was like, say no more. <laughs> so um, I, I did have about three to four people. Uh, it was like a football player and two softball players. So they were train. I would get 60%. They would get 40 at the time. And uh, so when I moved to DC, that's when I, a lot of things changed for me. Uh, but I've been able to do like contract. I would get contractors. So they would do stuff like as far as social media, getting my system together for me that it will be easier for me and um, so yeah I do want to grow probably when I start to scale I do want to grow in, like to know the two to three people because I love that intimate setting I don't want a big team
0: mm-hmm. you talked about writing a book what made you want to write a book and share your experiences mm-hmm. and knowledge with the public
1: yeah so one of the things was um, I actually wanted to write a book in like five years so 2021 was going to be the year that I was going to write in. Um, but I went to one of my mentors that I saw and I told him, I was like, I want to write a book. And he was like, well, what's, what's stopping you? I was like, well, I feel like you don't have that much experience. Like, I don't. He was like, well, Chris, so you are close enough in age that you can still resonate with those student athletes, but you're far enough removed that you have experience. Mm-hmm. So anything that you give, they they need. And when he said that, I was like, huh okay, we can do that. Um, So that's why I decided to write a book. Um, And based off my experience and then the experiences of others, um, as well as like the problems that I saw within college athletics, and I felt like I could be the solution to those problems.
0: I think it's definitely important that knowledge is key nowadays mm-hmm. and with my industry i a lot of people are a lot older than me um they're they've been working for my company for as long as i've been alive but i just noticed that yes they're older but i've learned so much and you mentioned okay. that your mentor said that you have been removed from college but you're still close to the age and i think that's where i can see a lot of similarities where I can help train people that are similar to me because I kind of know their mindset. I know what they can excel at. I know what tools that work best for them. So Mm -hmm. I definitely, I think it's awesome that you were able to write the book and be able to share it to everyone because everyone, and that's what I love about doing this podcast is everyone has a story and everyone has had a different journey to get to where they are Mm -hmm. today. And right. some people can relate to that. And some people can learn something from that. Right. I always take notes when I'm doing these interviews because I learned something about myself and what I can implement in my life. Where do you see the future? Or what are your future goals professionally and personally that you'd like to see in the next few years?
1: I think professionally, um, I eventually want to work for ABC Fund that is um, that aligns with what I want to do. Um, at first, I wanted to create one myself, mm-hmm. but I'm like, no, it would be better if you just partner with someone. Um, and ideally, it would most likely be um, either Serena's VC fund, um, LeBron's VC fund, or like um, 31 Ventures, which is Kevin Durant's, or even Steph Curry. Um, I wouldn't mind because, again, like they are people that are in the sports industry and they understand the um, the values and the morals, not only that I have, but also uh, a, but also investing in people of color um, because I feel like that's where we lack funding as far as like our ideas and our business ideas and our structures. Um, so that's one of the top things that I want to do. And then also I definitely want to scale my business um, where it reaches a million dollars in sales. Um, that's definitely one of the goals that I have. Um, And then I also want to create something for the student athletes to help showcase their new businesses with the new um, uh, rules and regulations as far as the NCAA. So those are like my top three. And then as far as personal, maybe get married, maybe have a kid or two, like lose some weight. Um, And then, but also personally, I want to move back to Texas. That's one like, of my personal goals, to move back to Texas and move closer to family. Um, so hopefully we'll do that in the next year or two.
0: Do you have, like, a goal list, like, where you write out, like, short-term goals, long-term goals, <laughs> these are, like, long-term, but you have the goals that can take you step by step to eventually get to those um,
1: I have a to thrive list, but it's more so kind of like a to-do list, but mm-hmm. I don't call it a to-do list because, like... I hate that word. Mm-hmm. Um, so to a thrive bliss It's kind of like, you know, whatever I do right now is what I need to do to thrive in not only my business, but in my personal life. Um, I used to have a five-year goal. I've accomplished pretty much everything except one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I wrote when I was about 25. So I was in grad school. So I'm turning 30 this year. So I'm not, I write another five-year goal. Um, I try to do five years because I feel like 10 and 15 and 20, like, With me, personally, like, I look at the bigger vision, and so when I do that, it's like, okay, like, how fast can we get there? But it's like, Crystal, you have to get that bigger vision and break it down into steps, so that's why I do five years over, like, 10 to 15.
0: I definitely can relate with doing those long-term, the five-year goals, where do I want to see, because I kind of want to motivate myself. I kind of just want to keep going. Like, what else Mm -hmm. can I do? I don't want to be stuck in what I'm doing every day. I want to be find that new skill find that new opportunity right. and i feel during this pandemic that the coronavirus it's given me the greatest opportunity to mm-hmm. do that because yeah. i've always talked about doing this podcast and now i'm doing it and i've enjoyed yes. every single day about it and i'm just happy it's all about being happy
1: now yes it is yeah so the, it is.
0: the final question we like to ask our guests is, what tips or advice would you give someone listening to rise to their challenge, overcome obstacles and reach their goals?
1: I think, again, one is like making opportunities where you are. Cause again, like I come from a small town or I come from a small town. I went to school in a small town. I went, but I made opportunities where I, were, where I was. And so that's the number one thing. And then also is so what my dad used to tell us when we used to lose the basketball game. He was like, you got to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. And I'm like, Don't nobody care? Like, what kind of pep talk is that? <laughs> but what he was saying is that, you know, lo- losses are just like lessons. Mm-hmm. And so you cannot, you cannot grow and you cannot expand your horizons if you don't have those lessons and so um that's kind of like what i took from it so like even rising to the challenge like it's like you need to create lessons and you need to get more losses because more losses equals more wins you have to fail faster to get more wins faster um so that would be like my top two tidbits
0: definitely with like A lot of people when they're winning a lot they think that they're on top of this world they Mm -hmm. think oh Mm -hmm. i don't need to learn anything else when you hit that loss and i always use the comparison with like uh, mma fighters Mm -hmm. when they lose they look back at tapes they look back at Mm -hmm. what their trainers and coaches saw and they get right back into the gym and they're practicing each of those reasons why they might have lost and then when you see them in the next fight they are out it and they won't make mm-hmm. that make mistake again right. right and those your tips are definitely important for people to learn and overcome and rise to their challenge and definitely everyone has their reasonings of what they do to overcome those obstacles but it's all right. about did you learn from it yeah. did you get something out of it because if you don't fall you didn't learn no one goes that- up all
1: the way that's true
0: true. well thank you crystal for coming on the show and sharing your rise the challenge i loved learning more about what you do with your organization your experience and your journey to get to where you are today and i am excited to see what the future holds for you
1: well thank you so much for us thank you so much alex for having me it was definitely a pleasure
0: Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their Rise to the Challenge. Remember, you can follow and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and more. Remember, how are you going to rise the challenge coming up this week? What are you going to do to accomplish your goal? What challenges are you going to overcome? How you rise the challenge, you decide.